In Hebrews 11, in verse 23, it says, By faith Moses, after he was born, was hidden by his parents for three months, because they saw that the child was beautiful, and they did not fear the king's edict. By faith Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, and chose to suffer with the people of God, rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasure of sin. For he considered reproach for the sake of Christ to be greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, since he was looking ahead to the reward. Verse 27. By faith he left Egypt behind, not being afraid of the king's anger. For Moses persevered as one who sees him who is invisible. By faith he instituted the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood, so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch the Israelites. And by faith they crossed the Red Sea as though they were on dry land. When the Egyptians attempted to do this, they were drowned. Father, thank you for your word. As we open it today, I thank you that you open our eyes to the wonders of it. Incline our ear to what you would say and unite our heart in your presence. Lord, instruct us today. Holy Spirit, I pray that you translate and take the poverty of my remarks and bless each heart as they have need of today. I thank you that you've never left me standing here by myself. Uh, you've never left me without a word to speak and a zeal to speak it with. And I thank you, Lord, that you empower your word to perform what you've sent it to do today. And bless your people as only you can in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. So we're continuing our series in Hebrews 11 on living by faith. That's what Hebrews 11 is about. And it points us to all of these instances in these people in the Old Testament, these examples to teach us more about living by faith. And so we've learned that faith is needed. It is necessary. It is important. What is it? What is it as we go through we know that faith is a divinely imparted ability from God to you so that you are able to see more clearly, to trust him more deeply, to endure with confidence and to be fully and truly alive in him. Amen. That's the longer definition. The shorter definition is believing God, not just believing in God. Even the demons do that and they tremble. But believe in God, who he is, what he says and what he says about you. So today we continue the story of Moses. This is the third part talking about Moses. He's got a lot of good stuff in there. And we remember how we got here to this little section about Moses, the Israelites, when they went down to Egypt. Joseph was there. Jacob and his sons went down to Egypt and they lived there and prospered there for a time. But then there came into office a new Pharaoh who didn't know Joseph, didn't care anything about the Israelites and saw them as a threat and said, we must oppress them, put them under our thumb. Otherwise, they're so uh, abundant in number that if our enemies attack, they'll join our enemies and we'll be defeated. So he enslaved them and told the masters to deal harshly with them. And yet they continued to abound them to limit the number. Let the girls live, kill the boys. But the midwives feared the Lord more than they feared the Pharaoh. And the boys lived. And then he gave charge to the whole nation. If any Hebrew boy is born, throw him in the Nile River or your head will be on the line. And that was the world that Moses was born into. 
And it said because he was beautiful, unique, that he was good. His parents saw beauty in him and value. They hid him away for three months. And you can only hide a three-month-old baby, you know, so easily. So then they, she took him, put him in a basket, and covered the outside with pitch and asphalt and set him in the Nile River where so many others had gone to drown. That's where he would be delivered. And Pharaoh's daughter herself came down to bathe, found the child in the basket, adopted him as her own. He was raised for 40 years in Pharaoh's palace, learning the ways and the knowledge of the Egyptians. He was strong and he was smart. And it said, though, that even though he had access to all of that, we talked about this last week, right? He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. I mean, remember, I'm not the one. Right. I'm not the one. He refused to be called that and chose instead to suffer with the people of God, chose that over the fleeting pleasures of sin. And we talked about last week. Don't have time to go all the way back over it. But where do you want your suffering? Where do you want it? Where do you want your suffering? Remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter seven. He said, narrow is the gate and difficult is the way that leads to life. And the gate is wide and the road broad that leads to destruction. What's he saying? He's like, you won't suffer a whole lot on the road that is broad, but your suffering will be at the end and it will be prolonged. Or you can suffer on the narrow road that straight that few travel on because it is difficult and it will lead to everlasting life. Where do you want your suffering? And we saw that Moses considered Christ though he didn't yet know that's what he was considering, greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking forward to a reward. How many of you remember we will suffer for what we value? You will endure for what it is that you value. And he was looking forward to a reward. So we're continuing on Moses today. Obviously, I can't teach his whole life in one day or even a few days, but I do want to try to teach us something important today. And that's starting in verse 27. By faith, he left behind Egypt, not being afraid of the king's anger. For Moses persevered as one who sees him who is invisible. By faith, he instituted the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood. So the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch the Israelites. By faith, they crossed the Red Sea as though they were on dry land. And when the Egyptians attempted to do this, they were drowned. So if you're taking notes, we're going to cover three things today. And I, I would recommend that you take notes. It changed my life. It has changed my life and helped me to learn. But if you're taking notes, we're going to cover three things. Perseverance, the Passover, and passing through. Passing through. So number one, perseverance. It said he left Egypt, not afraid of the Pharaoh, and persevered as one who sees him who is invisible or sees the unseen. Remember, this is the Pharaoh who would say out of his own mouth when Moses came and said, the Lord has said that you should let these people go. He said, who is the Lord that I should obey him? That was Pharaoh's attitude. Who is the Lord that I should obey him? And Moses's attitude was who is greater than the Lord that I should obey them? He is seeing that which is invisible. Pharaoh can't see it. Faith reorders our fear and our reverence 
What we fear, what we hold in the highest regard, what we hold as the highest authority, faith reorders that for us. And it did it for Moses, and so he persevered. Perseverance, which is hard if you're taking notes, you're like, how do you spell perseverance, right? It's kind of different. Perseverance, that's our persevere, that's it. Perseverance means endurance and to be steadfast. And the root of that word is to be strengthened. You can only endure and be steadfast. You can only persevere if you've been strengthened as your root. It said by faith, he persevered. By faith, we persevere. Now, biblical perseverance isn't just be tougher. Biblical perseverance isn't just toughen up. Handle more. This stuff shouldn't bother you that much. That's not biblical perseverance. It didn't say Moses persevered as one who grew up tough. It didn't say Moses persevered as one who, you know, didn't have a lot of emotions. It didn't say Moses persevered because he was really smart and he figured out how to do things. It didn't say Moses persevered because he had an easy road and didn't have to deal with very much. It didn't say that Moses persevered because he had all the resources that he needed or that he tried real hard and that he was real impressive. It didn't say any of that. It said he persevered by faith as one who sees him who is invisible or who sees the unseen. And so I got to thinking about this as how faith gives us the ability to see what is unseen. And out of that, we persevere. I've been watching this show. I started watching it. It was a new show to me. It's not a new show. I don't even know if it's still on. Started in 2017. It's called Alone. Some of you have seen it. Some of you I've already talked to about it, right? It's called Alone. And I've been watching it on Hulu. It's just, it, it's a good show for me to watch in the evening. Kelly doesn't like it. So I can watch it if she's already gone to bed. But the premise of the show is they take 10 people who have volunteered for this. About 10 people and they drop them off completely by themselves in the wilderness. Either in Vancouver Island up in Canada, in Patagonia down in South America. The new season I'm about to watch, they're in Mongolia. And there's not another person for miles. And they drop them off in the middle of the wilderness with 10 survival items. They don't get to take a bunch of stuff with them. They got the clothes on their back. You can have like a hatchet. You can have a couple of pots that you cook your food in. You can have some fish hooks. The 10 items, that's all you get. And the, the whole show is who can stay out there the longest. Who can stay out there the longest? And it's fun to watch how they do what they do and how they survive. And they're, they're out there for a week or two or three or four. The longest anybody's been out there, I think, is close to 90 days. It's a long time to be by yourself. Right. And the last person standing after everybody else quits, after everybody else goes home, the last person standing wins five hundred thousand dollars. Interesting, though, you don't know what's going on in any of these other camps. All you know is what's going on right where you are. You can't see anybody else. You can't talk to anybody else. You don't know how it is that they're doing. And now inevitably, all of them are doing pretty bad. You get past a few days. It's tough out there. Some, some folks only last a few hours. I'm like, it took you longer to get here than you stayed here. They only last a few hours and they go home. I'm like, I'm not judging you because you did more than I, I would I have known that wasn't for me. But inevitably what I see when it gets down to the end, when it gets down to the last two or three, or especially when it gets down to those last two and that last one to quit before the other one wins, 
I'm like, man, see, they have no idea if they're the second to the last person or there's still 10 people out there. They have no idea. And I'm watching both of them because it's showing me both of them. They give them cameras and battery packs and they record it all themselves. They have to record it themselves as they you know, can't have a cameraman there and be alone. But they don't know how the other person's doing and that last person to quit. I'm, I'm always thinking if you could have just seen over into this other camp, this other guy's about to starve to death. He's having terrible stomach cramps because he drank some water he shouldn't have drank. Like, I think he may be about to not only quit, but about to die. Like, if you could see him, if you could see that you were down to the last two, if you could see how close you were to winning this whole thing, I don't think you would have quit today. I don't think you would have quit today if you could have just seen how close you were. But see, that's the trick to it for them is they can't see, they don't know. And so they quit. They're like, I literally can't stay out here another day and that other person was just that close that close to giving up they were that close to winning and and that's what i see when we see it by faith when we're persevering by faith we're we're able to look over into something that people can't look over into we're able to see over into because let me tell you if you could just see how close you are to the breakthrough if you could see how close you are to that next season that we sang about this morning. If you could just see it, if you could see it by faith, you wouldn't quit today. You wouldn't quit today. So that's why I'm saying Moses persevered as one who sees that which is invisible. If they could have seen it, if they could see that other person struggling about to die, that would give them hope, which would bring about endurance. It's like they're about to give up. I, I can win this thing. I am this close to coming out on the winning side of this. Moses, not by toughness, not by ingenuity, but seeing by faith how close they were to the victory. His flesh couldn't see it. Flesh couldn't see what was about to happen. It had to be seen by faith, seeing the unseen one. So see, perseverance isn't Biblical perseverance isn't try harder, it's see more clearly. See more clearly by faith. Get closer to him so you know victory is just right on the other side of this struggle. Victory is just right on the other side of this that I'm dealing with. And when I'm with him on the other side of it, it's going to be worth it. But we have to be in close to him because if we're not, doubt grows in the distance. Just like those contestants, like I can be great and I'm just struggling. This is probably I'm probably the worst one of all of them because I can't see it. Right. There's so much distance between me and them. There's so much distance between me and the knowledge of what's going on that doubt starts to grow in there. OK, that happens with people. If I'm if I'm around Kelly all the time, I'm around her all the time. So you can tell me, hey, I saw your wife and she was talking real bad about you. She said this and this and this and this. I'd be able to say, you're lying. She ain't said any of that because I saw her this morning. She was fine. Right. But if it had been a month since I saw her or two months or six months, well, something would have been wrong anyway. Right. But you see that relationship, doubt would be able to grow in there. So, so take her out and put in somebody that is my friend, but I hadn't seen in six months to a year. And I, I hear, oh, they were talking bad about you. They were just really running you down. I saw them at Walmart. They just said, you're a sorry, do nothing dog is what they said. Right. There's much more room for me to go grows in the distance. And it's the same way with God. If we let that distance grow between us, doubt can fill in that gap. Well, maybe he doesn't love me. 
Maybe he doesn't want the best for me. Maybe the victory's not right there. Maybe I don't have that promise. Maybe this life isn't for me. And that distance starts to fill up with doubt. And I see that instead of seeing by faith. Well, when I'm close to him and the lie comes, I'm able to say, "Mm -mm. I know better than that because I talked to him this morning and he was just fine. Amen. Doubt grows in the distance. When you can't see, you're likely to quit. But when you see by faith walking close with him, if God be for us, who can be against us? If God be for us, who can be against us? In this perseverance, Moses had to persevere through several things. We don't have time, but he persevered through several things, each one preparing him for the next one. And so if he had started on thing number five, he would have gotten whipped and wore out. But number five didn't come first. He went through number one, then number two, then number three. Then he built up to that. He's persevering and it's, he's being strengthened. He's also being stretched to where he can do more than what he could have done before because he persevered today. He can do more tomorrow. There will always be, and I've remembered this in the scripture. I didn't write down the reference. I think it's in Corinthians. Paul said, I'm thankful because there's a great opportunity here to share the gospel, though many oppose us. <laughs> he said, there's a great opportunity to share the gospel here. That's why I hadn't come to see you yet in Corinth, because where I am, there's a great opportunity to share the gospel, though many oppose us. Every opportunity is going to also have opposition. Which one do you see more of when you look at it? Do you see the opposition or do you see the opportunity? There's the difference in your perseverance. If you're focused on the opposition, you're not going to persevere. If you're looking for an excuse not to go, you'll find one. If you're looking for an excuse to quit, you'll find one. If you're looking for an excuse to be mad, you're going to find one. But what was he looking at? He said, oh, I'm just seeing this open door. Yeah, there's people and they're opposing us. They tried to kill me a few times, but there's this open door. And he's persevering because he's seeing by faith the door the Lord has opened for the gospel. Perseverance. By faith, he persevered as one who sees that which is unseen. Think about Hebrews 11. One faith is a substance of what we hope for and the evidence of what we can't see. It's how we see into the things we're not supposed to be able to see into. It's how we can hold on to something that's supposed to be intangible. Perseverance. That's number one. Number two, Passover. He instituted the Passover. Verse 28. By faith, instituted the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch the Israelites. The Lord sent him to Egypt and told him to tell Pharaoh, let these people go. And again, what did Pharaoh say? Who is the Lord that I should obey him? I don't listen to your God. I handle things on my own. And they were visited by the 10 plagues, right? And we'll talk more about those. We're going through Hebrews 11 and jumping over into the Old Testament on our Wednesday night Bible study. So we'll talk into the plagues a little bit more when we get there on Wednesday night. But just know this, God, the Lord Almighty, the Lord of hosts is defeating the nation of Egypt. One of the, if not the most powerful, one of the most powerful nations in the world at that time by his own self. Without an army, without anybody swinging a sword, he's defeating them by himself. And after every plague, he said, all right, now let them go. And the plague would, would be relieved. And Pharaoh would go, no, I'm not letting them go. And then they'd get to the next one and the next one and the next one. And the 10th plague, most of us know this, was the death of the firstborn. The firstborn of each house would die. 
But to preserve the Israelites, the Lord, through Moses, instituted the Passover. He said, you're going to need a lamb for every house. A lamb for every house. You can get them of the sheep or the goats, but you need a lamb for every house. And it needs to be an unblemished lamb. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to slaughter it on this day at this time. And I want you to take the blood and I want you to put it on the doorpost of your house to mark your house. And I want you to take the lamb. I want you to roast it over the fire. I want you to eat the whole thing and burn what you can't eat and eat it with uh, bitter herbs and unleavened bread. And when you eat it, I want you to eat it with your shoes on. I want you to eat it with your traveling clothes, your, your dress, your red for the road. You've got your staff in your hand because you're going to be eating it in a hurry. Today, the Lord is delivering you from bondage. Today, the Lord is delivering you from bondage. And he, rem- he promised them freedom in Exodus 6. Exodus 6 and verse 4. You don't have to turn there if you don't want to. I'll read it. Exodus 6 and verse 4. God said, I also established my covenant with them to give them The land of Canaan, the land they lived in as aliens. Furthermore, I have heard the groaning of the Israelites, whom the Egyptians are forcing to work as slaves. And I have remembered my covenant. Therefore, tell the Israelites, I am the Lord. And I will bring you out from the forced labor of the Egyptians and rescue you from slavery to them. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm. And great acts of judgment. I will take you as my people and I will be your God. You will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from the forced labor of the Egyptians. I will bring you to the land that I swore to give Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. He's saying, I've made promises and I remember them. I'm going to remind you what they are. And one of the ways I'm going to do that is through this Passover. I'm going to do that through this Passover. And he instituted it, but it wasn't just that one meal. It wasn't just that one time. He told them this is going to start going forward. This is going to start your calendar. This is going to be the start of something new for you. And I want you to never, ever forget it. Exodus 12 and verse 24. He said, keep this command, the command to observe the Passover permanently as a statute for you and your descendants. When you enter the land, the Lord will give you as he promised. You are to observe this ceremony. When your children ask you, what does this ceremony mean to you? You are to reply. It is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord. For he passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians and spared our homes. So the people knelt low and worshiped. He wanted them to never forget the covenant that was being delivered to them. Never wanted them to forget that the Lord is the one who made this happen. He's the one who brought you out of Egypt. See, we started with just Moses and his perseverance. And now that's expanded to this whole nation of people. Passover wasn't just a rescue, but it was meant to be a mindset for life for generations. And you can see the parallel to our life today. Can you? you can see the parallel to communion, which we will receive together today. It said by faith, Moses instituted the Passover. They weren't destroyed. They weren't judged with the Egyptians. Why? Because there was a lamb for every house and there was blood on the doorposts. And they were meant to learn from that and to know that the Lord is the only one that can deliver us out of bondage. 
He persevered by faith. By faith, he instituted the Passover. And then we get to the passing through. The passing through of the Red Sea. What does it say there in Hebrews 11.29? By faith, they crossed the Red Sea as though they were on dry land. When the Egyptians attempted to do this, they were drowned. By faith, they crossed the Red Sea. See, the night of the Passover, the night of death in Egypt, Pharaoh finally said, get out. Get out. Leave. Leave. Take all your people and leave. Go into the wilderness as you've asked. Worship the Lord your God there. Leave. And they left. When a man says you can leave, you better leave. He told them to get out. That was in chapter 12, verse 31. So 430 years to the day after Jacob and his family went down to Egypt, they were freed. And the Lord led them into the wilderness and led them towards the Red Sea. Moses taking the bones of Joseph with him. Remember, we looked at that when we talked about blessings a few weeks ago. Because Joseph had said, the Lord will surely come to your aid. Then you must take my bones up from this place when y'all go home. Take them with you when you go. Moses did that. Meanwhile, after they've left, Pharaoh's changed his mind. And he wants to recapture them. And he, he, he loads up all of his horses and chariots and goes into pursuit. Here's what we can learn from that. When you've been set free from something, expect it to come back after you. Expect it to come back and try to recapture you. Don't be intimidated by that, but be aware of it. When you've been set free from something, it's coming back to try to chase you back down. And that's what Pharaoh was doing with them. The Israelites had been led up to the Red Sea. They've got their back to the sea and then they turn around and look and they see Pharaoh and all of his army, all of these chariots coming, big cloud of dust. And they said in Exodus 14 and 13, I'm flipping a lot this morning. Oh, yeah. Let me back up. 14 and 10. Because I want you to hear what they said. And I want you to hear what Moses said. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up. And there were the Egyptians coming after him. The Israelites were terrified and cried out to the Lord for help. They said to Moses, Is it because, because there are no graves in Egypt that you've taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done by bringing us out of Egypt? Isn't this what we told you in Egypt? Leave us alone so that we might serve the Egyptians. It would be better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. They just walked out and they said, were there not any place for us to be buried there? We got to be buried out here. They've already lost hope. They're not persevering. They can't see it. But look what Moses said. Moses said to the people, don't be afraid. Stand firm and see the Lord's salvation that he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians you see today, you'll never see again. The Lord will fight for you and you must be quiet. He said, you see them, don't be afraid of them. You won't see them tomorrow and you'll never see them again. Because the Lord will fight for us. Now hush. Now hush, you needed them to be quiet. They couldn't see it yet. He's like, I see it. I can see it and you're going to see it too. The Lord told him, what are you waiting for? Stretch out your staff over and I will make a pathway through the waters. And he held back the waters on each side. They were divided. 
and dried by the east wind. And so the Israelites went through as on dry ground with walls of water on their right and on their left. And then when they were safe on the other side, the Egyptians are pursuing them down that same path. They just walk. Here come the Egyptians pursuing them on it. And Moses lifts his staff and the sea returned to its place and the Egyptians were drowned. By faith, they walked over with ease what would have swept them away. By faith, they walked over with ease what they had so greatly feared just a few moments before. They saw the sea as chaos, sure and certain death. They would deal with it in limited amounts if they had to, but they saw it as chaotic and death. This is something I need to stay away from. And the Lord walked them through something that they were very afraid of as though it wasn't there at all. The Lord himself defeated the oppressors. He held back the waters as they walked across in safety and they sang songs of praise from the other shore. The ones that had been hollering out, we don't know if we can trust Moses or God on this side after they had been walked through in any graces. They didn't have to be mentally ready. He still walked them through it. And they sang songs of praise on the other side. So what do we learn? What do we learn of faith in these verses when we're looking at Hebrews 11, when we're considering this new and better covenant that we have in Christ? Perseverance. We do that by faith. Seeing that which is unseen. Even when it seems like a mystery. I don't know how you're going to do it. I don't know how you're going to work it out, but you've told me that you will. You've told me that you'll always be with me. You told me that you're going to take care of me. And I know. See, here's one thing. Here's one thing. Here's one caveat to this. One caveat here. He's going to give you that knowing in your heart that you're right where you're supposed to be. I know you have me doing this. I know, I, I know I'm doing this. I know I'm in this moment because you put me here. But man, it's tough to be here. It's tough to deal with this right now. But I know this is what I'm supposed to do. Help me to persevere. Help me to see that hope on the other side that I can't yet touch, that I haven't yet walked in, but I know is there because you told me it's there. You've told me that you're going to be true to your word. Faith sees the unseen. Again, it's the substance of what's hopeful and the evidence of things in the unseen. The future that was peril to us, we couldn't see into it. We don't know anything about it. it. It offers nothing but fear and problems. He gives us a hope in that. He said we're able to see it afar off and greet it. Remember? All those that died in faith, they saw the promise afar off. They greeted it and said, I'm headed to a homeland. I'm headed somewhere. We persevere. There's going to be an open door and there's going to be opposition. Which one do you see is bigger? You can turn and run from the opposition, but then you don't walk through the open door. If he opens the door, it doesn't matter how big the opposition is. And by faith, he instituted the Passover. I want to take advantage of that this morning. We try to do this monthly where we uh, observe communion together. Tyler, will you and Caleb help me hand that out? Serve everyone. Uh, We'll get ready to receive that as we talk about the Passover. First of all, uh, who's welcome to receive communion? Any believer in the house is welcome at the table. Amen. If you're in the house, you're not a believer. Let's talk about it. Let it pass from you. Come talk with me after. I'd love to have that conversation. 
But Passover, the Lord is the one that protects and the Lord is the one that delivers. We just participate. Amen. He is the one that delivered them. He is the one that protected them. All they had to do was obey in the little bit that he told them to do. We have just a little bit that we can do. If we do it all by ourselves and he's not in it, it's not going to accomplish very much. But when we engage him on the avenue of grace that he has made available to us, we watch what he will do. You can see the parallel to when Jesus uh, at the Last Supper told his disciples, I want you to do this in remembrance of me. This is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. This is my body that was given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. He's the better Passover lamb. He's the lamb for every house. Amen. The unblemished, spotless, firstborn lamb. And when we do this, when we take communion together and when we observe that together, we are declaring the dying of the Lord Jesus until his return. That he who knew no sin became sin for me so that I might become the righteousness of God, the right standing of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. He took on our sinfulness so that we could put on his righteousness. We didn't deserve that. We didn't deserve for him to do that for us. He didn't deserve what he went through on our behalf, but he did it by grace. And we receive it by faith. And Scripture says it was by faith that it might be according to grace so that the promise could be sure to all the seed, all the kids that would come into the kingdom. It could be sure to all of them because the requirement was what? That they believe and that they needed grace, which is all of us. Amen. I know you may have already prepared your set up there. If not, I'll give you just a moment. And I want to pray over each and then we'll receive them together. Father, as we come to your table, we ask first that you forgive us and cleanse us of our sin. We know that you're faithful and just to forgive us our sins as we confess them to you and cleanse us of unrighteousness. Lord, that we'd be worthy for your table today, not because we did something to get here, but because you did something to get us here. And I thank you that when you've invited us to your communion table, you always meet us and join us there when your people gather and do this in remembrance of you. You are always here with us. Father, we thank you for the mystery of the table, that that can be accomplished, that you're here with us in these elements, in our observance together. I thank you that there's power in it that scripture said can even heal our bodies. And strengthen our souls. I thank you, Lord, for the bread. You just reached over and took some bread off the table. We hold some bread in our hand today. And you said, this is my body given for you. That you stood in our place. That you persevered because you could see that which was unseen. You went down to the very depths of what we were afraid of. And rose from the dead victorious over sin, death, hell, and the grave. 
and you ascended to the right hand of the Father where you remain victorious. And I thank you that we are walking in that victory today by your grace. We thank you for the body that was given for us. And we bless the bread as we partake of it together. Lord, we thank you for the cup, the cup of the new covenant in your blood. We don't have it wiped on the doorpost of our house, but it's on the doorpost of our heart. We are marked as your children. I thank you that you are sufficient. You are a lamb for every house. You turn back the destruction and the destroyer that would have otherwise taken us down that would have taken us out. I thank you that you took our greatest enemy and made it a doorway into eternal life with you. I thank you that you didn't only save us, but you, you, you keep saving us, that we're walking over things that should sweep us away, that we're standing on ground that we shouldn't have been able to hold because you made it possible by your body and your blood given for us. We thank you for that great and precious gift today in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. And before we go, Andrew's going to come and we're going to get ready to sing together. I want us to think on the passing through. We talked about the perseverance. We talked about the Passover this passing through of the Red Sea. Both our salvation, He did it for us, and also our, our everyday life. It would have been impossible for them to walk across that Red Sea by themselves. Not even an option. They didn't even consider it. They didn't, even th- they didn't think about trying. It's impossible for us, if we're alone, to be delivered from that which would otherwise sweep us away. But he has given us by faith the ability to not only see, but to say and to stand and access his grace, his grace that is sufficient for us. They were delivered from Pharaoh. We've been delivered from sin and death. We were on that side of the water like I got death on this side and trouble on the other side. I don't know what to do. And what did Moses say? He said, be quiet. The Lord who has promised will surely fight for you and the problems you're seeing today and not just today, not just this date, but the problems you're seeing in your life. In just a little bit, there'll be no longer. In just a little bit, there'll be no longer. Now, a little bit may be 60 years, a little bit may be on the other side of death. But let me ask you, when we've been there, like the song says, 10,000 years. When we've been there with him 10,000 years, how will you see the things that make you afraid now? How will you see the things that worry you now? You might laugh a little bit, wouldn't you? Man, I can't. Don't tell anybody about that one, Lord. I can't believe that I let that bother me. With all this, I can't believe I let that hold me back. With everything you've done, I could. I'm a little bit, a little bit embarrassed. 
when we've been there 10,000 years, what will it look like? He'll take you both on the other side of the problem in this life and on the other side of this life in eternity. Listen, just like they did, we'll sing on the shores of the other side of the water. Glory, glory, glory to the Lord God Almighty, the only one who can say nothing can stand against us when we stand with him. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that you carry us through that which would have otherwise swept us away. I thank you for all the testimonies that are in here right now, this minute, who have been through things that they would have never thought they could have even survived, much yet, much less thrived on the other side of. And it's all due to you. Your name be glorified. Lord, that perseverance, what we made it through, you brought us to this point. Hitherto, the Lord has helped us. I thank you, Lord, that you go with us from here. You didn't just lead them through the Red Sea and leave them alone, but you dwelt with them. I thank you that that is your goal is to dwell and tabernacle with your people, that we will never be alone. We will never be abandoned. We will always be found in Christ. I thank you for faith to see that which is unseen, to see you as you are high and lifted up, to see ourselves as we were dead in our sins and our trespasses. We've been made alive in Christ Jesus by your great and glorious grace. And we can stand in the strength that you've given us, not not just today, but every day. And we keep in close proximity to you, holding off that doubt that would grow in the distance. You are even better than we could have imagined. And Father, as we get ready to go, I thank you that we leave in peace and unity together with one another. Lord, we pray for those that are out from us today, those that are ill or weak in their body, that you strengthen them and give them peace. Heal them and restore them in Jesus' name. Lord, those that are working, that they would do so as unto you and your glory. I thank you for the benefit that they are to our community. And Father, for those that are away, that you bring them safely back to us in the name of Jesus. I thank you that as we go through this week, we do so with you in mind, acknowledging you constantly aware of and in communication with you, knowing that you will direct our paths. We love you and we thank you in Jesus name. And everybody say amen.